at no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. And welcome to the show today, your author brand show. You're going to want to take notes, even if there's not a single rational thought here. But there will be, of course. That's just a, a joke I like to play before the show to see what my guest is you know, paying attention. Like, is he talking about me? It's like, no, of course not. We're not talking about you. We're talking about the other guy. But I'm supposed to you know, make it light. So our guest today, let me give you a little intro on our guest. Boy, I'm, I'm so excited to uh, talk to this guy because it's some really, it's stuff you've never heard before. I promise you that. And... It's things that will maybe surprise you, maybe shock you, but most importantly, you probably could use if you want to um, be looking at um, a career. So he is the founder of Kadima Careers. Um, his mission is pretty bold. It's pretty big, which I love big goals, right? To accelerate 1 million careers by 2040. And this guy knows what he's talking about. He's no slouch. Graduate of Columbia Business School, spent 30 years. I don't know how, because he looks like he's 40. 30 years as a successful leader at Google, Meta, Salesforce, American Express. He went from manager to director to VP to global department head in about 10 years. So he's received Google's Manager of the Year Award. And we left, left his last corporate job at Salesforce. He's making over half a mil. So he's he's a player, right? Um, but today his whole company is, is really designed around helping the underrepresented, underestimated, underpaid talent land great jobs at companies like Google, Apple, Microsoft, Spotify, Salesforce, Johnson Johnson, Johnson Johnson, Unilever, the list goes on and on. The Fortune 100 guys, and he's spoken at like MIT, Columbia Business School, Blacks in Tech, Sistas and Sales, AnitaB.org. But he works with people one on one every single day to accelerate their careers. And you know, his private clients, on average, they increase their annual compensation. Check this out, increase as a delta. And this is not their compensation. This is the increase they are realizing from his work, $109,000 increase within six months of his coaching. So imagine you're looking at like a $250,000 job. And because of what this guy can teach us today, you're walking in and making, you know, 359 on average, what be 340, whatever it is. It's more than what you'd have gotten had you not worked with him. So I could go on about his credentials. I prefer just to listen to him so we can learn something. Welcome to the show today, Mr. Alan Stein. How you doing there? Thank you so much, Doug, for having me on the show. You did a hell of a lot better job of introducing my, me than I would myself. So thank you for that. Well, I'm excited about this. We've spoken before, so I'm cheating, of course, but I, I we didn't get as much details of what I get in today. And to keep people um, poised for this, because whether you're an entrepreneur or or not, you're going to either hire somebody or be hired. So this is relevant information. And man, I want people to stick around for one reason. That reason, well, you tell us why. Why should they stick around and listen to us today? They should stick around because I'm going to tell the whole truth, nothing but the whole truth, and how the job search actually works. Right. Yeah. Because I'm guessing most people are still like having a resume sent out, blind to a bunch of people, and just casting their bread upon the water type of thing. People do that all the time. They think yeah. that they need to optimize their resume. They think that they need to drop all these keywords in. They think that right. they need to update their LinkedIn profile for the 18th time. Yeah. All that stuff is nice, but that's not going to make or break your career search. Right. Okay. So we're going to get to the magic sauce here, the undercover stuff here in a minute. Let's start with your with your background. When you're working at these big companies, um, what were you, what was going on in um, in your mind? I want to know what the switch was from being 
you know, a high paid employee to saying, oh, I need to help these people out. What was the moment there for you? Yeah, I don't know if there was the exact moment, but I was always someone, I was not a recruiter. I was not in talent acquisition, but I always cared about acquiring talent for my team and hiring and growing and developing talent. So I would always be the one raising my hand to do on-campus recruiting, yeah. to do uh, to get involved with a lot of diversity initiatives and requ- uh, acquiring diverse talent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something that I, I don't know. I have a psych background. I worked. In, um, I was going for a PhD in clinical psychology. Mm-hmm. I like how the mind thinks. Yeah. And the interview process is very impure. Career acquisition, like getting people jobs, is very inefficient and not done properly yeah. and there's ways that people can influence it and I, I just like helping people when i was at yeah. google i got nine people in through google um part of it was my own good desire to be, to mm-hmm. help people out but um it wasn't too shabby also for google to pay me four thousand dollars a hire as an employee referral bonus wow that's not bad okay um i'm gonna get right to it i was so so cool to hear you talk about the job that you actually even though you're independent, you're an entrepreneur, but you went ahead and applied for a job and sort of documented everything and got a really sexy offer. Um, tell me as much as you can or want to about that process and who it was. I think it was just fascinating. Yeah. So if you're familiar with Robert Cialdini, who wrote the book mm-hmm. Influence before right. he wrote that book, which is a seminal book on the seven laws or the seven principles that influence people, yeah. he actually went undercover or I don't know if it was undercover but, or field research. And he worked in sales roles as a used car salesman, I think selling knives, yeah. selling lots of different things to understand how it worked. So that partly influenced me, little meta there to do a lot of research before mm-hmm. I went off and launched Kadima, even though I knew a lot about the job search, I started getting applications out there. I submitted 300 applications. I got 47 wow. interviews. I made it to the final round 20 times. I got five offers and I started recording these interviews. Hold on a second. Let's call those numbers real quick. 300 applications. Yep. Uh, 47 interviews and yep. five offers. Five offers, 20 final rounds. And then of the 20 final rounds, I got five offers, which is a little bit below index of what I do with my clients. Okay, yeah, well, your research phase, it's okay. Yeah. Um, so I was like a one out of four once I got to the finals. But when you're yeah. in the finals, you're usually competing with three to five people. So it's not absurd numbers at that stage. Right. And let people know what level we're talking here, because I think that's important yeah. to know. Yeah, levels are murky because I went from a director at American Express to a manager at Google, Uh which sounds less impressive, but I went up by $62,000. So I don't give a crap about levels, but I was interviewing for jobs in the the $400,000 to $700,000 range for myself. Wow. Nice. And you got got five offers though. You could have taken them all and then outsourced it, right? Made a couple million bucks a year. I... I did think about one of the offers of not outsourcing it, but taking yeah. it and working with Kadima on the side and just waiting until I got fired until I realized that I wasn't doing the work. Yeah. But I've wound up not doing that. Yeah. It's, it's um, a matter of integrity, right? I mean, you can uh, do, take your research so far and all of a sudden you're like, I'm the drug informant. I'm doing drugs. You know, it's probably not yeah. a good idea. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you documented this for research purposes, got some offers. And I want to get right to this, uh, you know, what did you discover? What were some of the key things that were surprising to you and being on both sides of the coin now as a higher, as an employer and as, as a, uh, you know, candidate? 
So there really wasn't too much that was surprising to me because mm -hmm. I was doing this research just to make sure that my thoughts and perspectives and hypothesis weren't right. off. Yeah. Well, some things that surprised me was how easy it is to deflect the conversation about compensation. Wow. So it's something that's easy to do and so many candidates mess it up because when you as a candidate reveal your cards to the employer right. about how much money you're seeking, you are working within a symmetry of information. The company knows what they're going to pay you. They know what other people on that team make. They know what that region makes. Yep. You have very little idea, despite the ability for you to do research on Glassdoor or yeah. comparably or whatever. And by you revealing that information, you often shoot yourself in the foot later on in negotiating. Mm -hmm. And I tried applying some of my tactics to defer and deflect the conversation about comp. Yeah. It worked every time. Okay, give me an example. Uh, I'm, I'm the employer saying, okay, um, geez, uh, Alan here. Um, your resume looks great. I, I'm very interested in that. What, what's your, uh, what's your salary history? What, what's, what are you looking for here? Well, first off, you can't ask for salary history in most okay. states. Okay, whatever. So, how they phrase so it. If, if you were interviewing people, you wouldn't ask that question. Okay. But if you were asked, like, if if you were to ask that, the way yeah. I would uh, return that. Well, back me up. How do they ask it so it's it's compliant so, or whatever? So they'll ask what what compensation you're seeking or what okay. sort of salary you're seeking. More direct. If, right. if they're doing it compliant, and not everyone does it compliant, by the way, but that's what they should be Understood. doing. But if you were to ask that question, I'd be like, "Hey, Doug, I really." Um, I just want to get paid fairly and mm -hmm. in line with the scope and impact of the role. And that will shut 80% of people up. Okay. And if you go further, yeah. the second response is, hey, Doug, I've read lots about you. You've developed a great brand with, um, yeah. with your business, and right. I'm just really excited to work there. Compensation's not going to get in the way. And in 15% of the time, if it like that will cut down another 15%. So then you're dealing with 5%. Right. That 5%, uh, if you continue to press me, which often it doesn't happen, but if you're like, hey, Alan, I need to know what sort of comp you're seeking. Yeah. You'll be like, Doug, I'm not really familiar with how you compensate employees here. Can you talk to me a little bit about your philosophy and how you pay people? Then I'll, I'll jot down some notes. Right. And I'll say, oh, that's different than how Salesforce compensated me. Let me think about that and I'll get back to you. So now can we just break down the psychology of the second statement? Because I love you. You didn't just deflect. You complimented inside a deflection. I caught that. That was really smart. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Well, you know, compensation. Yeah. Don't worry about that. I'm more interested in being your best, you know, your best employee. Right. It was brilliant. Well, it goes back to influence, which is right. a book that influenced me mm -hmm. because the interview process is so impure. They are looking for people that are capable, mm -hmm. but then there's a lot of art. It's like, yeah. hey, does Doug like me? Are we talking about like beers that we like to drink on the weekend? Or do we have some sort of commonality or something mm -hmm. like that? Do you like, do I look like, do I seem like someone that you feel comfortable managing? Right. Which leads to actually a lot of mm -hmm. lack of diversity, which... Yeah is another point but another there are problem, ways right. to overcome that but right. people wind up liking people like themselves yeah yeah it's pretty it's uh yeah neuroscience 101 on that one yeah um all right so that's one thing you can do obviously to deflect the the, the salary question um give me another uh trick or tip to get in front of the line with all those many many people applying or competition especially the you know some really high in high in demand positions how do you get in the front of the line there you cut 
Um, yeah. 7% of applications come in through the referral channel and yet 40% of hires come in through a referral. Wow. In my case, I've had 29 jobs in my career. 24 of those doors were opened because somebody said, hey, Alan's a decent guy. You should chat with him. Yeah. It did not mean that I was able to pass without an interview. In the case of Google, I got a referral there and I still had to go through 11 rounds of interviews there and I had to prepare mm -hmm. and it was yeah. not a... It was not a done deal by the time I got through. Yeah. But the five previous times that I applied to Google, which frankly, I was a better fit for those five roles. Wow. I did not get a response for three of them. And two of them, I got quick rejections. Right. So yeah, good old boys network or the referral. I love that. So 40% of the time it's referral. And what's the first number? Seven? Only 7% 7 of people 7 apply through apply. referral because otherwise wow. people are applying through cold application yeah. or getting recruited or maybe on campus hiring if they work, if they go to a good school that these right. companies are seeking, but uh, only 7% of people leverage yeah. referrals to get their application in. So let's say the person is a newish MBA graduate, works somewhere for a year or two, um, knows he's worth more than he's getting paid and wants to break into something bigger. Doesn't have a big network. How do, how do, you, uh, how do you get referrals when you're kind of new in the world? So this is how you do it. For, I call this a growth framework. Uh, first, you clearly establish goals of what's yeah. important for you, what, yeah. what values mean something, like what values resonate with you, and then define the list of organizations that could potentially get that for you. So figure yeah. out a list of target companies or organizations, mm -hmm. starting with at least 40. The second part is realistically leverage your strength. But then the third part is outreach. Mm -hmm. So right. you want to get outreach. You want to build relationships, not in a transactional way, but build relationships with people. So if, if, if American Express is on your target list or Tesla is on your target list, mm -hmm. let's say Tesla, you do not want to reach out to Elon Musk, <laughs> not only because the guy's <laughs> loose cannon, but he's not going to reply to you. Yeah. But if I wanted to work at Tesla, what I would do is I would look at people that went to my undergrad university, Binghamton yeah. University. People that went to my business school, Columbia Business mm -hmm, School, mm -hmm. people that worked with me pr prior at American Express or at yeah. Google, or people that have some sort of commonality with me, maybe yeah. like they volunteer for the ASPCA, like I, I don't do that, but say I did. Yeah. Any commonality you reach out to and you start building the relationship and you have conversations, and there are a lot of people that are willing to help you out and yeah. give you advice, and it's it's shocking how often it occurs and how few people do it. It is, um, you know, I, I've been able to, been fortunate enough to actually produce some books for some pretty um, successful people. We're talking, you know, nine, 10 figure uh, people. And they all, without, without any question, all of them say their network is their net worth. Yep. And it's, you know, money comes and goes, but a relationship that you build, especially like you said, non-transactional, right? Don't expect to, you know, hey, if I give me this, I'll give you that. That's just, I'm sorry, I, my opinion, it's kind of sleazy and you probably get, won't get as far if you just make friends with people and say, hey, I'm looking for a job, maybe a new opportunity in the future, but right now, how you doing? And we both share that interest or however, you could probably have specific ways to, to talk to people, right? In your program. Totally. And that's yeah. like even how our relationship has been built. Like yeah. I first reached out to you for, mm -hmm. you are someone that can make people really famous and popular yeah. with their their books and yeah. you and i have talked about that and we will work yeah. together at some point but yeah. we've built this relationship across mm -hmm. uh across the time so 
Yeah. Yes, you can do that. And yeah. especially if you use some basic techniques, if you read Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, uh, if you read Keith Ferrazzi's book, Ferrazzi's book mm -hmm. Never Eat Alone, yep. um, you read those, like just read Dale Carnegie's book and you're fine. But if you and, want, like, and I, I will say this I'm just talking about myself for a moment. It's my show. So, yeah, I was uh, in high school, I was like, you know, second to last pick a gym class, introvert, just a, you know, one of those people that in the background. And I, I enrolled in junior achievement after school, like how to run a business thing. And they gave away a free class uh, from Dale Carnegie uh, on, on speaking and self confidence, whatnot. And that it shaped my personality. I mean, I became like, you know, president class, homecoming king, all this jazz. But you cannot overstate how important that book still is today. He does a lot of, um, <clears throat> you know, people in the VC world might not agree with all the rapport building thing, just get to the chase. But in terms of building your network, it's human nature is pretty much unchanged in that regard, I think. And building those connections and applying even half of what that book has, I... I try to read it once a year, probably every two or three years. I I, I take I need to reread it because you know, like another human nature thing, I slip, you know, <laughs> get excited yeah. sometimes and and forget to just relax and get to know somebody. So yeah, it's a wonderful book. I I, I love it. And it's interesting you mentioned the VC world of being more yeah. transactional. That's actually not the case. So one of my twenty nine yeah. jobs I had was in venture capital. And our fund did not do well because we were not as networked as Sequoia, as A16Z, as right. uh, all, all these big organizations. And I'm, I'm thinking of the pitch process. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. The pitch yeah, process. The yeah, pitch the process. Pitch. They don't want to hear your origin. I mean, a little origin story for like 30 seconds and get to the money, right? Exactly. But yeah, in terms of the of the deal flow and that, you're right. It's going to be networking there for sure, I'm sure. Yeah. But if someone comes in as a proposed deal and they came yeah. well referred by someone in my network... Yeah. I would consider them a hell of a lot more than someone that just put their pitch deck on my desk and out of the blue. As a matter of fact, one of our great clients just did his, uh, his first SPAC, special purpose acquisition company, for those who don't know what that is, where he goes and raises money for a company he doesn't know he's going to buy yet. Hey, we're going to set aside this money. He was going to raise $233 million because I'm going to put your money, you know, this escrow account and we're going to um, go buy something. And like, who's going to do this, right? Who is going to put money into something not knowing what it is yet? Punchline is a billion dollars came into this fund because of who he was and his network. And he could only use a quarter of it for this first company that they purchased. I mean, yeah. if that's not evidence of your network is your net worth, I don't know what is to have... It and the other critical factor is you are not set in the network that you are born into. So it definitely, it definitely influences it, but yeah. you can get out of there. So like when I got the job at Google originally, yeah. I had no connections at Google. Yeah. I had like two. Uh -huh. Now I have like 700 connections at Google. Partly I work there, yeah. but you can build those network, uh, that network out and you can be deliberate about it of mm -hmm. where you want to go and try to build that network to where you want to go, not where you've been. That is so, so incredible. I've kind of done that accidentally, but not intentionally, I think, in my in my business. But that that's that bears repeating, folks. No matter what your network is, you don't have to stay there. This is not the caste system. You can break out and go meet other people. And I think that's probably one of the other things you said, Alan, which is really powerful, is like, don't be afraid to ask. Um, yes. We're doing a book for another guy who... Um, 
did a startup, you know, just more, like most people was, you know, scrapping and struggling to get his first 20, 30 grand in. Um, he sold it for $120 million three years later. And I'm interviewing for his book going, how did you go from 40 grand to 120 million in three years? And during the interview process, we're going through his, his journey, what he did, and every single decision, question, something came up. Well, let me ask, let me ask about that one. He'll be asking his community of VCs and other startups and people that he his mentors and whatnot. But even if it was a question he knew the answer to, he was still asked. Sometimes to validate, sometimes it's for the connection to keep him, let him know what's going on, right? He's sneaky that way. But um, yeah. don't be afraid to reach out to somebody that's out of your circle and higher status, I guess. Is that right? Like higher status or just where you want to be. So yeah. it doesn't have to be higher status. So if you're trying to reach out to somebody at Apple, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be Tim Cook. Yeah. You can reach out to somebody who's like a first year from there. Mm -hmm. Right. And they, they may not be able to pull all the levers for you, but they can give you insight and they can yeah. make a referral just as much. As, well, if Tim Cook was referring you, you would definitely get an interview. Yeah. yeah. If someone like that was one year into Apple, they, they may have to do a little harder work to make sure that you get yeah. noticed. But right. um, yeah, you, you don't need to you don't need to just go for the top, but go be cognizant of where you're trying to build your relationships out yeah. into areas of where you want to learn, grow and go to. Yeah, that is, that is, I, we could just stop the show right there. That's all I need to know. If you want to be successful in life, this is what you need to do is make new friends. <laughs> or just, like unless Jim, your friends are doing well, I mean, just go yeah. to where you want to go. Right. I, I think Jim Rohn says you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with or something like that. So you can spend yeah. like, so not to say that I want to toss away my wife and my three kids and um and I don't know who the fifth person would be, but but no don't like put me in there, man. No, no, like but they they inform me. Um yeah, but you are the yeah. average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Well, I want to I want to hang out with, with you more because you get these big, you know, fat offers and stuff. You're you know, playing with the big boys there with your half million dollar job offers. That's great. Well, I, I turned it down to become a struggling entrepreneur. So I, I realized that. that was yeah. that a hard decision? Was that like, oh, shoot? Um, it was uh, I was trying to milk my comp as long as possible. Yeah. While I was doing this side hustle. And right. it started to be more and more of a conflict where. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was becoming conflict of time, conflict of stress, conflict yeah. of other conflicts. So mm -hmm. I basically negotiated my exit and um when they got to the price point that i was willing to leave at i decided to leave okay let's spend the last few minutes on that because a lot of people listen to the show and people contact me to um you know to help them on that new road of entrepreneurship or consultancy are leaving a corporate environment and you know some people call them golden handcuffs um whatever there's a lot of um security with that salary paycheck and to go off on your own, you need a little runway of something to go on. Um, do you have any like thoughts or tips or process you did I mean, other than I know you get, they gave you a little severance or something when you left or what? Yeah, I, I negotiated um, a nice exit package for myself. Okay. Another thing when I was working in the corporate world at I focused on high paying companies that would pay me what I was worth, if not more than what I was worth. Yeah. And I was able to sock away a lot of money in retirement accounts. Smart. I anticipated that to be spent in my retirement, but I've actually wound up drawing down a significant chunk to start yeah. my business. So, yeah. Um, yeah, like when you are in a space of largesse where you have excess, 
Yep. Sock it away. Save it up. Don't spend it like like crazy. Like granted, I went on some nice vacations and didn't yeah. live like a pauper, but I maxed out all my retirement savings, which now is funding my business. Right. And that's probably a really strong lesson for that mindset a piece of like, okay, that was my retirement, but I'm going to suggest, or you can use your own words, but like that was my retirement then. This is my retirement now with your business, right? I mean, it's just transferring yeah. the wealth, really. It, it, it's part that, and also like I'm married to a wife who has a steady stream of income. Nice. So she's so that also played into my factor. Like so, we get right. insurance and benefits through my wife Melanie. Oh, great! And a steady stream of income, so we can pay our mortgage and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um. So that also played in the decision. If right. I wasn't married or if I didn't have that stability or I didn't have those benefits, I might've made different decisions. Yeah. It's, it's not easy. I've, uh, I've worked for companies and, uh, but I've been an entrepreneur most of my life. So I'm kind of used to the, uh, you know, eat or be eaten. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, if I don't, if I don't serve somebody this week and I'm not going to get paid, so I got to only make sure I'm doing something right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's but, great. And, and people think you don't have a boss as an entrepreneur, but you do have a boss. All your customers are your bosses. That's so are you are you listening at our company meetings? We just <laughs> talked about that um on Tuesday in our company meeting. We're like, yeah, you guys, um, because we have a small team, like seven people at our, our production team. Like the only boss you have is not me. The only boss you have is a customer. Yeah. Because I try to give cross training so they all can do various jobs at the company and whatnot. So that's well, I can't yeah. wait to be your boss one day. Oh man, look forward to it. We're gonna have fun doing this book. I can tell you, I, 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 you know, I want to get the spill of beans on the one thing you did with a, a company that starts with the letter A. Yeah. But um, documenting that whole process, um, very specifically, it's it's like being a fly in the wall. Really, it's really gonna be good. So. Yep. Um, yeah. I have lots of good stuff to share. I'm looking forward to doing that with you and your I company. Can't wait. In the meantime, if you are looking to get a really good high paying job. Don't just toss your resume out there. Don't just network blindly. Contact Alan because he knows what he's talking about, obviously, by getting people an extra hundred grand from their, what they're expecting. That's And, and um, not to correct you, but I will no. correct you. We're up to $122,500 incremental and well, who's in, three, in 3.73 months. So See, it's like, easier for me to say three months. It's easier for me to say a hundred grand. Yeah. That way we, we under-promise and over-deliver. See how yep. it works? Yeah, you know. Exactly. You're going to get somebody complaining. I think I only got 121. I think I got 122,000. So, first off, that's average. So okay. like, I, I, and I, I don't guarantee that, but I do have a 30-day money-back guarantee on all our products, and almost wow. no one takes us up on that. Okay. How do people get hold of you? Uh, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm very okay. active on LinkedIn. Yeah. And you can go to kadimacareers.com and check out everything. And we also have a podcast. I'd love to have you on at some point, Doug. We have the Sick Career Podcast, S-Y-C-K Career Podcast. Uh -huh. And I have lots of interesting, diverse, successful individuals where we talk about their careers and how they went up, down, and all over the place. My career was short-lived at Nextel. I was just there for, I think, I've never had a job more than a year and a half in my life. But uh, we can talk about the entrepreneurial career, of course. I got plenty of stories there. That, that, that's a career, too. You know, yeah. like as long yeah. as people are being cognizant and conscious about their decisions and mm -hmm. what the pros and cons are, there's multiple right. different paths for people to take. Terrific, terrific. Okay, so contact Alan on LinkedIn. His profile is down here in the show notes. Click on that. Uh, be polite. Um, request him. And if you're looking to increase your career, he's the, he is the only person you need to talk to to get that going. So thank you for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate the time. Appreciate what you do.
You bet. All right. See you later. Uh, that concludes the show for today. You're going to want to take notes at the author brand show. If you didn't take notes, that's okay because the show notes are right below. All you do is click on that and we'll send them to you. You can uh, contact Alan, of course, and get some good career advice. Um, or if you're looking to hire somebody, probably got some tips there for you as well. Have a great day and we'll see you next time.